Hello, and welcome to Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, the podcast. Written by Eliezer Yudkowsky, read by Ineash Brodsky, based on the works of J.K. Rowling. Chapter 34, Coordination Problems, Part 2. Saturday dawned bright and clear and with the students speaking in hushed voices, as though the first a shout might set off the explosion. Draco had hoped that they would be fighting in the upper levels of Hogwarts again. Professor Quirrell had said that real fights were more likely to take place in cities than forests, and fighting inside schoolrooms and corridors was supposed to simulate that, with ribbons to mark the allowed areas. Dragon Army had done well in those fights. Instead, just as Draco had feared, Professor Quirrell had come up with something special for this battle. The battleground was the Hogwarts Lake. And not in boats, either. They were fighting underwater. The giant squid had been temporarily paralyzed. Spells had been set in place to keep away the grindylows. Professor Quirrell had gone and talked to the merfolk, and all the soldiers had been issued potions of underwater action that allowed them to breathe, see clearly, talk to each other, and swim not quite as fast as a fast walk by kicking their legs. A huge silver sphere hung in the center of the battleground, shining like a small underwater moon. It would help to provide a sense of direction, at first. The moon would slowly go into eclipse as the battle went on, and when it had gone entirely dark, the battle would end if it hadn't already. War in water. You couldn't defend a perimeter, attackers could come at you from any direction, and even with the potion you couldn't see very far in the darkness of the lake. And if you swam too far away from the action, you would start to glow after a while and be easy to hunt down. Ordinarily, if an army scattered and ran instead of fighting, Professor Quirrell would just declare them defeated but today they were working on a point system. Of course, you still had some time before you started to glow, if you wanted to play assassin. Dragon Army had been set low in the water at the start of the game. Above and far away, the distant underwater moon shone. The murky water was mostly lit by Lumos charms, though his soldiers would extinguish the lights as soon as they began maneuvers. There was no point in letting the enemy see you before you saw them. Draco kicked his legs a few times, propelling him to a higher position from which he could gaze down at where his soldiers hovered in the water. The conversations died down almost at once under Draco's icy glare, his soldiers looking up at him with gratifying expressions of fear and worry. Listen to me very carefully, said General Malfoy. His voice came out a little lower, a little burbly with bubbles. Listen to me very carefully. But the sound traveled clearly. There's only one way we can win this. We've got to march on Sunshine together with Chaos and beat Sunshine. Then we fight it out with Potter and win. That's got to happen, understand? No matter what else goes on, that part has to happen that way. And Draco explained the plan he and Harry had come up with. Astonished looks were exchanged among the soldiers. And if any of your plots get in the way of that, finished Draco, then after we are out of the water, I will set you on fire. There was a nervous chorus of yes sirs. And everyone with secret orders, make sure you carry them out to the letter. Around half his soldiers openly nodded, and Draco marked them for death after he rose to power. Of course, all the private orders were fake, like one dragon being told to offer a false traitor's commission to another dragon, and the second dragon being told in hushed confidence to report anything said by the first dragon. 
Draco had told each dragon that the whole war could depend on that one thing, and that he hoped they understood it was more important than the plans they'd previously made. With luck, that would keep all the idiots happy, and maybe flush out a few spies to boot, if the reports didn't match the instructions. Draco's real plan for winning against Chaos? Well, it was simpler than the one he'd burned, but Father still wouldn't have liked it. Despite trying, though, Draco hadn't been able to think of anything better. It was a plot that couldn't possibly have worked against anyone except Harry Potter. In fact, it had been Harry's plan originally, according to the traitor, though Draco had guessed that without being told. Draco and the traitor had just modified it a little. Harry took a deep breath, feeling the water gurgle harmlessly into his lungs. They'd fought in the forest, and he hadn't gotten a chance to say it. They'd fought in the corridors of Hogwarts, and he hadn't gotten a chance to say it. They'd fought in the air, broomsticks issued to every soldier, and it still hadn't made sense to say it. Harry had thought he wouldn't ever get to say those words, not while he was still young enough for them to be real. The Chaos Legionnaires were looking at Harry in puzzlement as their general swam with his feet pointing up toward the distant light of the surface, and his head pointed down toward the murky depths. Why are you upside down? The young commander shouted at his army, and began to explain how to fight after you abandoned the privileged orientation of gravity. A hollow, booming bell echoed through the water, and on the instant, Zabini and Anthony and five other soldiers struck out downward into the murky depths of the lake. Parvati Patil, the only Gryffindor in the group, turned her head back for a moment and gave them all a cheery wave as she dived. And after a moment, Scott and Matt did the same. The rest just sank and vanished. General Granger swallowed a lump in her throat as she watched them go. She was risking everything on this, dividing her army instead of just trying to take as many enemy soldiers with them as possible. The thing to realize, Zabini had told her, was that no army would move until they had a plan that let them expect victory. Sunshine couldn't just plan to win themselves, they had to make both other armies think they could win until it was too late. Ernie and Ron still looked like they were in shock. Susan was gazing after the disappearing soldiers with a calculating look. Her army, what was left of it, just looked bewildered, traceries of light dappling on their uniforms as they all drifted just below the sunlit surface of the lake. Now what? said Ron. Now we wait, said Hermione, loudly enough for all the soldiers to hear. It felt odd to talk with her mouth full of water. She kept feeling like she was committing some sort of horrible impoliteness at the dinner table and was about to drool all over herself. All of us left here are going to get zapped, but that was going to happen anyway with Dragon and Chaos ganging up on us. We've just got to take as many of them with us as we can. I've got a plan, said one of her sunshine soldiers, Hannah. Her voice had been a little hard to recognize at first. It's like all complicated, but I know how we can get Dragon and Chaos to start fighting each other. Me too, said Faye. I've got a plan too. See, Neville Longbottom is secretly on our side. You were talking to Neville, said Ernie. That's not right. I was the one who... Daphne Greengrass and a couple of other Slytherins who hadn't gone with Zabini were giggling helplessly as the cries of, No, wait, I was the one who got Longbottom, erupted from one soldier after another. Hermione just looked at them all wearily. Okay, said Hermione when it had all died down. Does everyone get it? All your plots were faked by the Chaos Legion, or maybe by some dragon. Anyone who really wanted to betray Harry or Malfoy went straight to Mir Zabini, not you. Just go ahead and compare notes on all your secret plots and you'll see it for yourselves. 
She might not be as good at plotting as a beanie, but she could always understand what all her officers told her. That was why Professor Quirrell had made her the general. So don't bother trying to do any plots when the other armies get here. Just fight, okay? Please? But, said Ernie with a look of shock on his face, Neville is in Hufflepuff. You're saying he lied to us? Daphne was laughing so hard and so helplessly that the exhalations had turned her upside down in the water. I'm not sure what Longbottom is, said Ron darkly, but I don't think he's a Hufflepuff anymore. Not now that Harry Potter's got to him. Do you know, said Susan, I asked him that, and Neville told me he had become a chaos Hufflepuff. Anyway, said Hermione in a loud voice, Zabini took everyone who we thought was a spy, so in our army we can stop watching each other quite so hard now, I hope. Anthony was a spy? yelled Ron. Parvati was a spy? gasped Hannah. Parvati was totally a spy, said Daphne. She shopped at the spy shoe store and wore a spy lipstick, and someday she's going to marry a nice spy husband and have a lot of little spies. And then a gong sound echoed through the water, indicating that Sunshine had just scored two points. This was shortly followed by the triple gong of Dragon losing a single point. Traitors weren't allowed to kill generals, not after the disaster of the first battle in December when all three generals had been shot in the first minute. But with any luck... Oh, it sounds like Mr. Crab is taking a little nap. Like two shoals of fish, the armies swam along. Neville Longbottom kicked his feet in slow, measured motions, diving, always diving in whatever direction you happened to be moving. You wanted to show the enemy the smallest profile, present them with your head or your feet. So you were always diving, downward and head first, and the enemy was always down. Like every Chaos Legionnaire in the army, Neville's head was constantly rotating as he swam, looking up, down, around, to every side. Not just watching for sunshine soldiers, but watching for any sign that a Chaos Legionnaire had drawn their wand and was about to betray them. Usually, traitors waited until the confusion of battle to make their move, but that early gong had put them all on guard. The truth was, Neville was feeling sad about that. In November, he'd been a soldier in a united army, all of them pulling together and helping each other, and now they were all watching each other constantly for the first signs of betrayal. It might have been more fun for General Chaos, but it wasn't nearly as much fun for Neville. The direction formerly known as Up was getting steadily brighter as they came closer to the surface and sunshine. Wands out, said General Chaos. Neville's squad drew their wands, pointing them straight ahead toward the enemy as their heads scanned around more rapidly. If there were sunny traitors, the time was approaching for them to strike. The other shoal of fish, Dragon Army, was doing the same thing. Now! shouted the distant voice of the Dragon General. Now! shouted General Chaos. For sunshine! shouted all the soldiers in both armies and charged downward. What? said Minerva involuntarily as she watched the screens from next to the lake. A cry echoed in many other places. All of Hogwarts was watching this battle as they had watched the first. Professor Quirrell was laughing dryly. I warned you, Headmaster. It is impossible to have rules without Mr. Potter exploiting them. For long, precious seconds, as the 47 soldiers charged her own 17, Hermione's mind went blank. 
Why? Then it all snapped into place. Every time a soldier originally from Sunshine got shot by someone crying the name of Sunshine, she would lose a quarrel point. When two Sunshine soldiers were shot by either army, both enemy armies would be two points closer to overtaking her. It was the same gain, only shared. And if anyone shot another soldier not in the name of Sunshine, that gong wouldn't get lost in the confusion. Hermione was suddenly very glad that Zabini hadn't gone with the obvious plan of starting trouble between the other two armies while they attacked Sunshine. It was still disheartening, though, that sense of your chances closing down, of hope being taken away. Most of Hermione's soldiers were still looking confused, but some had expressions of dawning horror as they got it. It's all right, Susan Bones said firmly. Heads turned to look at the Sunshine Captain. Our job is the same, to take as many of them with us as we can. And remember, Zabini took away all the spies. We don't have to stay on the lookout like they do. The girl was smiling defiantly, provoking answering smiles from many of the other soldiers, even from Hermione herself. It can be like it was in November. We just have to keep our heads high, fight our best, and trust each other. Daphne shot her. Blood for the blood god! Shrieked Neville of Chaos, though since he was underwater, it came out more like Blub for the blub glub. Captain Weasley spun and raised his wand toward Neville and fired. But Neville was swimming downward toward him, wand pointed straight ahead, and that meant the simple shield could shelter Neville's entire profile. If anyone shot him now, it wasn't going to be Sonny Ron. A grimly determined look came over Captain Weasley's face, and he arrowed straight up toward Neville, mouthing the word Contigo, though the shield wasn't visible in the water. The two enemy champions shot toward each other like arrows released from bows, each aimed to split the other down the middle. They had dueled many times before, but this time would pay for all. Far away by the lakeside, a hundred breaths were held. Rainbows and unicorns! roared the sunshine captain. The black goat with a thousand young! Do your homework! Closer and yet closer, the two champions charged, neither willing to swerve. The first person to turn would present a vulnerable broadside and get shot, though if neither lost their nerve, they would crash right into each other. Falling straight down as the enemy rose straight up to meet him, Hammer descending to meet Anvil in a path neither was willing to leave. Special attack! Chaotic twist! Neville saw the look of horror on Captain Weasley's face as the hover charm caught him. They tested it before the battle had started, and just as Harry had suspected, Wingardium Leviosa became a whole new sort of weapon once everyone was swimming underwater. Curse you, Longbottom! shrieked Ron Weasley. Can't you ever fight without your dumb special attacks? And by that time, the Sunshine Captain had been spun around sideways and Neville shot him in the leg. I don't fight fair, said Neville to the sleeping form. I fight like Harry Potter. Granger, 237. Malfoy, 217. Potter, 220. It still hurt every time he had to shoot Hermione. Harry could hardly stand to look at the expression of peace that had come over her sleeping face, arms now drifting aimlessly as the curves of sunlight moved over her camouflage uniform and the cloud of her chestnut hair. And if Harry had tried to duck out of being the one to shoot her, not only would Draco have known what it meant, Hermione would have been offended. She's not dead, Harry said to his brain as his kicking feet pushed him away. She's just resting. Idiot! Are you sure? said his brain. 
What if she's an ex-Hermione? Could we go back and check? Harry glanced back briefly. See, she's fine. There are bubbles coming out of her mouth. Could have been her last breath escaping. Oh, be quiet. Why are you being so paranoid protective anyway? Er, first real friend we've ever had in our whole life? Hey, remember what happened to our pet rock? Would you shut up about that worthless lump of rubble? It wasn't even alive, let alone sentient. That is like the most pathetic childhood trauma ever. The two armies swiftly separated, becoming two shoals of fish once more. General Granger had gone down 17 points and taken three Chaotics and two Dragons with her, and one Chaotic and two Dragons had been shot as traitors. So she'd lost net seven points. Harry had lost one. Draco had lost two. That put Sunshine 20 points up on Draco and 17 points up on Chaos. Chaos could still win easily if they exterminated all 20 remaining dragons. The wild card, of course, being those seven remaining Sunshine soldiers. If you could call them that. The two shoals swam uneasily next to each other, the soldiers in each army awaiting an order to call out their true allegiances and attack. Everyone who got them, Harry said loudly. Remember, special orders one through three. And don't forget, it's Merlin says on three. Do not acknowledge. The trustworthy two-thirds of the army did not nod, and the other third just looked puzzled. Special Order 1. Don't bother trying to call out any code words in this battle. Don't expend any effort on any plot not specially approved by the commander. Just swim, shield, and fire. Hermione and Draco had both been fighting their soldiers, trying to get them to stop plotting on their own all through December. Harry had egged his soldiers on and supported their plotting through the last two battles while also telling them that at some future point he might ask them to put a plot or two on hold, to which they'd all readily agreed. So now, in this critical battle, they were happy to obey. Neither Hermione or Draco could have given that order successfully, Harry was certain. It was the difference between the soldiers seeing you as an ally in their plotting, and seeing you as a spoilsport old fuddy-duddy who didn't want them to have any fun. Imposition of order equaled escalation of chaos, and it also worked in reverse. There they are, shouted someone, and pointed. From the depths of the lake rose the Forgotten Ones, the ones who'd forsaken the last battle, the seven missing sunshine soldiers glowing with the bright aura of cowards, now fading as they returned to battle. The two shoals of fish wavered, pointing wands uneasily. Hold your fire, shouted Harry, and a similar cry came from General Malfoy. There was a moment of held breath. Then, the seven sunshine soldiers swam up to join Dragon Army. There was a triumphant cheer from Dragon Army. There were cries of dismay from a third of the Chaos Legion. Some of the other two-thirds smiled, though they shouldn't have. Harry wasn't smiling. Oh, this is so completely not going to work. But Harry hadn't been able to think of anything better. Special Orders 2 and 3 still apply! shouted Harry. Fight! FOR THE CHAOS LEGION! roared twenty chaotic legionnaires. FOR DRAGON ARMY! roared twenty dragon warriors and seven sunshine soldiers. And the chaotics dived straight downward as all the traitors got ready to strike. Granger, 237. Malfoy, 220. Potter, 226. Draco's head darted around frantically, trying to weigh up what was happening. 
Somehow, despite his greater forces, he'd lost the initiative. Four small chaotic forces were being pursued by four larger dragon forces. But because Draco's forces were the ones trying to force an engagement, it meant that they had to follow where chaos ran. And somehow, that was producing concentrations of chaotic force that would fire into the exposed sides of dragon. It was happening again! Prismatis! shouted Draco, raising his wand, and that shield you could see, even through the water. A sparkling, multicolored flat wall wide enough to shield Draco and the five other dragons with him from the chaotic force that had just swam past. And that let the other five dragons turn their attentions back to the chaotic force that they'd been chasing. There was a tense moment as sleep spell after sleep spell crashed into Draco's prismatic wall, and Draco was hoping to Merlin that none of those four chaotics had learned the breaking drill hex. Then there was the bell of a dragon victory, and the chaotic forces spun head for foot and began swimming away. And Draco, his hands now shaking slightly, dropped the prismatic wall and lowered his wand. Fighting in water was more exhausting even than fighting on broomsticks. Do not pursue! Draco cried to his soldiers as they started to follow. Then, Sonorous! Reform on me! The dragon forces started converging on Draco, and the chaotic forces spun around and began pursuing the dragons on the instant. Draco swore out loud as he heard the bell of a chaotic victory. Someone hadn't gotten their simple shield oriented right. And then the dragon forces were in supporting range of each other, and the chaotics were moving back into the murky distance. Somehow, despite their numerical superiority, the dragons had scored three times against the chaotics, and the chaotics had scored four times back and he'd heard one dragon spy get executed. Either Harry Potter had thought of a lot of very good ideas very fast, or for some unimaginable reason he'd already spent a lot of time working out how to fight underwater. This wasn't working, and Draco needed to rethink things. It looked like everyone was having trouble aiming while swimming, too. The battle might last long enough that time would be called. The distant underwater moon was only half full now. That wasn't good. He had to rethink things fast. What is it? said Padma Patil as she and her force swam over toward Draco. Padma was the second in command. She was clever and powerful, and better yet, she hated Granger and saw Harry as a rival, which made her trustworthy. Working with Padma was making him realize the truth of an old adage that Ravenclaw was sister to Slytherin. Draco had been surprised when his father had told him it was an acceptable house for his future wife, but now he saw the sense in it. Wait until we're all here. Draco said. The truth was, he needed to catch his breath. That was the trouble with being the general and the most powerful wizard. You had to keep using magic. Zabini came in next, commanding a force of two sunnies and four dragons, one of whom was Gregory keeping an eye on Zabini. Draco didn't trust Zabini. And neither Draco nor Zabini trusted the sunnies enough to make them a majority of any unit. They were supposed to be loyal either to Draco directly or to Granger, who'd been fooled by the promise that the dragons would be betrayed in the end after both forces had been depleted. Just as Ares' more trusted Chaotix should have been fooled into not shooting at the Sunnies by the promise of their firing fake sleep hexes and switching to support Chaos later. But it was possible that some of the Sunnies were loyal to Chaos and weren't firing real sleep hexes, and that was why Dragon wasn't winning the way their numerical advantage should have let them win. The next unit that approached was depleted, three soldiers holding wands on two other soldiers, who were swimming with empty hands. Draco gritted his teeth. More traitor problems. He needed to talk to Professor Quirrell about having some way to punish traitors at least. 
Conditions like these were unrealistic. In real life, you tortured your traitors to death. General Malfoy! shouted the commander of the problem unit as it swam up, a Ravenclaw boy named Terry. We don't know what to do! Sassy shot Bakhtin! But Sassy says Kella told him that Bakhtin shot Spectre! I didn't! said Kella. Yes, you did! shrieked Sassy. General Malfoy, she's the spy! I should have re- Somnium! said Draco. There was the triple bell of a one-point loss from Dragon, and then Kella's limp body began to float away in the water. Draco had heard the word recursion by this point, and he knew a Harry Potter plot when he saw one. Unfortunately, Draco had not heard of autoimmune disorders, and the thought did not readily occur to him that a clever virus would begin its attack by creating symptoms of an autoimmune disorder so as to get the body to distrust its own immune system. General Order, said Draco, raising his voice. Nobody gets to shoot spies except myself, Gregory, Padma, and Terry. If anyone sees anything suspicious, they come to one of us. And then there was the bell of sunshine scoring two points. What? said Draco and Zabini around the same time. Their heads swiveled around. No one seemed to have gotten hit, and all the sunshine soldiers were present and accounted for. Except Parvati, who had been shot by some still-unknown traitor in Padma's squad. And of course Padma had shot Parvati again in case she was faking, so it wasn't her. A sunny traitor in chaos, said Zabini, sounding puzzled. But all the ones I know about were supposed to strike during Chaos's attack on Sunshine. No, said Padma in a tone of sudden realization. That was Chaos executing a spy. What? said Zabini. But why? And Draco got it. Damn it! Because Potter thinks he's safe for how much he beats Sunshine, but not for how much he beats us so he doesn't want to lose a single point when he executes a traitor. General order, if you have to execute a traitor, call Sunshine first. And don't forget to switch back to Dragon afterward. Granger, 253. Malfoy, 252. Potter, 252. Longbottom's body drifted chaotically through the water, arms and legs disarrayed. After Draco had finally gotten a hit in, they'd all shot him again, just to be sure. Nearby was Harry Potter, now protected by a prismatic sphere, looking at them all grimly as the last sliver of crescent moon slowly diminished somewhere far away. If Longbottom had managed to shoot just one more soldier, Draco knew Harry was thinking. If the two chaotics had managed to hold out just a little longer... They might have won. After Draco had reformed his forces and struck out again, the ensuing battle and execution of spies in Sunshine's name had left Sunshine exactly one point ahead of Dragon and Chaos both. Once Harry had started doing it, Draco had been left with no choice but to follow suit. But now they had General Chaos outnumbered three to one, the survivors of Dragon Army and the last remaining Sunny Trader, Draco and Padma and Zabini. And Draco, who was no fool, had ordered Padma to take Zabini's wand after Longbottom had shot Gregory and fallen in turn to Draco. The boy had given him an insulted look, told Draco that he owed him for this, and handed it over. That left Draco and Padma to take down General Chaos. I don't suppose you'd like to surrender, said Draco, smiling as evilly as any smile he'd ever directed at Harry Potter. 
Sleep before surrender! shouted General Chaos. Just so you know, Zabini doesn't actually have an older sister for you to rescue from Gryffindor bullies. But Zabini does have a mother who doesn't approve of Muggleborns like Granger. And I wrote her a few notes and offered Zabini a few favors. Nothing involving my father, just things I can do in school. And by the way, Zabini's mother doesn't approve of the boy who lived either. Just in case you still thought Zabini was really on your side. Harry's face grew even grimmer. Draco raised his wand and began breathing rhythmically, building up strength for a breaking drill hex. Granger's prismatic sphere was almost as strong as Draco's now, and Harry's wasn't much weaker. Where did those two find time? Lagan, spoke Draco, putting everything he had into it, and the green spiral blazed out and Harry's shield shattered, and at almost the same moment... Somnium, said Padma. Granger, 253. Malfoy, 252. Potter, 254. Harry let out a long breath of relief, and not just because he didn't have to hold the prismatic sphere anymore. His hand was shaking as he lowered his wand. You know, I was pretty worried there for a moment. Special Order 2. If a sunny traitor doesn't seem to be really shooting at you, fake being hit occasionally. Prefer targeting dragons to sunnies, but go ahead and shoot sunnies if you can't shoot dragons. Special Order 3. Merlin says, do not shoot at Blaze Abini or either Patil twin. With a wide grin, Parvati Patil stripped the transfigured patch off her uniform's insignia and let it float away in the water. Gryffindors for chaos, she said, and handed Zabini his wand back. Thank you very much, Harry said, and bowed sweepingly to the Gryffindor girl. And thank you as well, bowing to Zabini. You know, when you came to me with that plan, I wondered if you were brilliant or crazy, and I've decided that you're both. And by the way, Harry said, now turning as though to address Draco's body, Zabini does have a cousin. Somnium, said Zabini's voice. Granger, 255. Malfoy, 252. Potter, 254. And Harry Potter's body floated away, his expression of shock and horror quickly relaxing into sleep. On second thought, Parvati said cheerfully, Make that Gryffindors for sunshine. She started to laugh, more exhilarated than she'd ever been in her life. She'd finally gotten to assassinate and replace her twin sister, and she'd wanted to do that since forever. And this had been perfect. It had all been perfect. And then her wand spun around in a lightning motion, just as Zabini's wand turned to point at her. Wait, said Zabini. Do not shoot, do not resist. That's an order. What? Sorry, said Zabini, looking not quite sincerely apologetic. But I can't be totally sure you're for sunshine. So I order you to let me shoot you. Hold on. We're only ahead of chaos by one point. If you shoot now... I'll shoot you in the name of Dragon, obviously, said Zabini, now sounding a little superior. Just because we tricked them into doing it doesn't mean it won't work for us. Parvati stared at him, her eyes narrowing. General Malfoy said your mother doesn't like Harmani. I suppose, said Zabini, still with that superior smirk. But some of us are more willing than Draco Malfoy to annoy a parent. 
And Harry Potter said you have a cousin? Nope. Parvati stared at him, trying to think, but she wasn't really good at plotting. Zabinid said the plan was to secretly keep the scores of Chaos and Dragon as even as possible, so they'd used Sunshine's name to execute their traitors instead of losing even a single point. And that had worked. But... She had the feeling she was missing something. She wasn't a Slytherin. Why don't I shoot you in the name of Dragon? Because I outrank you. Parvati had a bad feeling about this. She stared at him for a long moment. And then... Sami! She started to say, and then realized she hadn't said for Dragon, and frantically cut herself off. Granger, 255. Malfoy, 254. Potter, 254. Hey, everyone, said Blazabini's face on the screens, looking quite amused. Guess it's all down to me. All by the lakeside, people were holding their breath. Sunshine was ahead of Dragon and Chaos by exactly one point. Blazabini could shoot himself in the name of either Dragon or Chaos, or just leave things the way they were. A series of chimes indicated that the last minute of time was running out. And the Slytherin was smiling a strange, twisted smile and casually toying with his wand, the dark wood barely visible in the dark water. You know, said Blazabini's voice in the tones of someone who'd been rehearsing the words for a while, is just a game, really. And games are supposed to be fun. So how about if I just do whatever I feel like? End chapter 34 Thank you to the following people. Hermione Granger, Anonymous. Daphne Greengrass, J.C. Cotton. Padme and Paravati Patil by Amanda Grisello. Lauren Housley as Susan Bones. Neville by Adam Hartel. Terry Boot was voiced by Stefan Wettchen. Minerva McGonagall, read by Autumn Rachel Dryden. Ernie McMillan, Eric Starling. Hannah Abbott, Mars. This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. If you would like to learn more about the art of rationality, please visit lesswrong.com, an online community of aspiring rationalists founded by Eliezer Yudkowsky. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. The music used is Catch That Goblin by Skaven. Thank you for listening and come back next week for the first half of Chapter 35, Coordination Problems, Part 3.